Building effective ministry teams is crucial to the health of a local church. But how do you develop a team ministry in a small congregation or a new church plant when resources, including potential team members, are in short supply? Keep listening to find out. Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. If you enjoy this podcast, we encourage you to check out Dr. David K. Bernard's books. Dr. Bernard has written more than 30 books on biblical theology and Christian living and leadership. Visit PentecostalPublishing.com and search David Bernard for a list of available titles. Enter promo code DKB10 at checkout to save 10% on your order. That's PentecostalPublishing.com, promo code DKB10 to save 10% at checkout. Thank you for joining us. On previous episodes of this podcast, you have taken time to stress the importance of team ministry. But I think one of the questions that comes out of those discussions is, especially if you're a small church, you're the pastor of that church and his wife, maybe there's not a lot of people to build a team from. Or maybe you're a a lay leader and you're trying to start a ministry, you're in a small church, and doesn't seem like there's a lot of uh, uh, volunteers there, not a lot of resources there to help you. What advice would you give to the pastor of a small church, the ministry leader in a small church who's trying? They love the idea of, of team ministry. They think that's a great concept, but they're they're looking around at their specific situation and asking, how can I make that happen in my setting? Let me give you some uh, background information or, or reference material. I've written a book called Spiritual Leadership in the 21st Century, which talks about these principles. And also I've written a book called Growing a Church, which takes it step by step from a small church or a large church. And then if you like more of a narrative or story rather than a teaching format, uh, my recent book, Reaching Austin, tells how my wife and I started a church from our home, built it to about a thousand people. At that time, about 16 daughter works. Uh, we, well, we did start 16 daughter works, but today there are 23 churches in the New Life Network. So that would give you a narrative of how we did that. And I, I explain along the way at each step what we did. So it, I think it starts with understanding the concept. According to Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, that the ministry of the church is not designed to do all the work. Uh, the leaders of the church, the pastors, teachers, etc., are not supposed to do all the work. They're supposed to train and equip and build a team so that everyone shares in the work. So you start with understanding that's your philosophy. Uh, you're not supposed to be a solo leader, even though when you're in a small setting, maybe the pastor and the pastor's spouse will do most everything. But the goal from the very beginning is to build a team. And so my philosophy when we started the church Yes, we had to be the the key people in every dimension. So, for example, we started having public services. Uh, my wife took all the kids and taught Sunday school. I took the adults and taught Sunday school. And then when we uh, went to the main service, my wife played the keyboard. I emceed. I led the worship. And then I turned around and preached. 
Uh, we didn't have any qualified ushers, so my sons, age six and three at the time, were the first ushers. Uh, and then I would give an altar appeal, ask people to come forward to pray. I would keep my eye on the back door because we would greet visitors before church, but sometimes visitors would come in late. We wouldn't have anybody to get their contact information. So if I saw one of those late coming visitors start to exit, I'd run back, catch them, try to get them to fill out a visitor's card. And then I would try to run back to the altar area to finish praying with people who were there. But of course, when I left, they all quit praying. So so I'm doing everything. When we organized a ladies group, my wife was in charge. When we organized a music ministry, my wife was in charge. We organized a men's ministry. I was in charge. We organized an outreach ministry. I was in charge. We organized a youth group and bought a, a church van. Well, I was the driver that took the kids to, uh, to, uh, rallies. So, but that's not supposed to be the norm. So my, in my philosophy was, I'm doing these jobs, but my goal is to work myself out of every job possible, give it to someone else so that I can then blaze the trail in a new job. So eventually, someone else became the ladies' leader instead of my wife. Although my wife was the best keyboardist, when we got more people, we rotated. And uh, we got someone else to be the music director, and someone else became the outreach director, the men's leader, the, the youth leader, and so forth. So the philosophy from the beginning was the leader has to blaze the trail and initiate uh, activities and events and ministries. But the goal from the beginning is work yourself out of as many jobs as possible. So ultimately, for example, the pastor should focus on doing what only the pastor can do. And if someone else can do it just as well, or maybe not even as well, but 75% as well, then you train someone and turn it over to them. You learn to delegate. So delegation means you have to share responsibility, but also share authority. And then you have to establish lines of accountability. So you don't just turn it over to someone and forget it, but you have to have authority equal to responsibility and then accountability. So practically speaking, how do you do that? Well, informally, even before you, even without telling someone, you try to get uh, someone who is an assistant, maybe an unofficial assistant. Maybe they're not qualified to be a leader, but you get people to shadow you, to share the load. So if I'm teaching a Bible study, I bring someone along with me to learn how to do that. If I'm visiting someone in the hospital, I bring someone with me. Or visiting in the home, I bring someone with me. In other words, I'm trying to train others, maybe uh, young people, young adults, people who feel a call to preach, people who aspire to leadership. As soon as possible, you use official and unofficial assistance with the goal that some of them will become future leaders. They will get some on-the-job training. So you're spending a lot of your time in mentoring, investing, even towards the very beginning, when you're doing most of the work, you have to think, I need to share the load so I can extend my work, but I need to share the load so I can train others. Uh, so what I did probably in the first year is I started a leadership class. Um, and they, people didn't have to be leaders, but I would just say, if you feel like God is wanting to use you, if you aspire to leadership, if you feel a burden to be involved more in the church, I've got a special class for you. So uh, before our evening service, come one hour early or before our midweek service or just whenever is a convenient time or Saturday morning, whatever, uh, I'm going to have a special class on time management this week. I'm going to have a special class on how to teach a Bible study. 
uh, and and I would pick different topics. And eventually, I put together kind of like a curriculum of leadership. And ultimately, uh, we m- developed a more formal system where if you wanted to be involved in particular leadership capacities, you needed to go through this training first. But we started informally. So what I would say is, to answer your question, it has to start with your philosophy. Your goal is to build a team. Your goal is to delegate. Your goal is to share. You can't try to control everything. Uh, you can't uh, try to think that you can do everything. You know, the two reasons why people don't delegate, the first reason is nobody can do the job as well as they can. And while that may be true in the beginning, that's not a good excuse because ultimately that means you're not training people. <laughs> if nobody else can do the job, that's because you're not training people. And as I said before, maybe you are the best person in the whole world to do the job, but that's not the goal. Uh, the goal is not perfection. The goal is somebody can do the job 75% as effectively, that might be good enough because then that uh, in, it frees you up to do more. The second reason why people don't delegate is they do think somebody can do the job as well as they can. So that's where you have to get your ego out of the way and you want to help other people succeed. And ultimately, uh, I was glad the youth pastor could do a better job with youth than I could. I was glad the music director could do a better job with music than I could. Uh, I was even glad the assistant pastor, if I was gone, could preach a good message and somebody might say that was the best message they ever heard. Instead of me getting offended, um, I'm happy because that means, hey, they trust him. He's doing a good job. I picked him. I trained him. So what if he excels? That's that's what I want. Uh, so we have to have that philosophy, that concept. Then on a practical level, start mentoring. Start uh, using assistance, whether de- officially designated or not. Uh, start some kind of training program, uh, some kind of shadowing program. And if you do that for every job of the church, uh, eventually you will develop a trained team and then you empower them uh, and you have ongoing training where as the church grows bigger, the senior pastor, the leader is investing more and more of his time in the leadership. And then the leaders are spending more and more of the time at the grassroots ministering to the needs uh, of new people and Disciples, discipling people. So the senior leader has to shift more and more of his focus to investing in leaders. That's a brief answer. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share apostolic life in the 21st century with a friend or family member. And make plans to join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.